Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to show 255 of the Engage for Success podcast, The Future of Staff Feedback. So today we're going to be talking about the future of staff feedback and the importance of understanding your people to help drive organisational performance. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working with the Engage for Success movement leading on digital. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there's a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private, and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the, um, I think it's the bottom now, of the homepage to join our newsletter list. And we mail out generally every week with some details about events and useful content for you. If you tweet, please share your thoughts using our hashtag, which is hash E4S with the number four. And if you go to LinkedIn, you can just search for Engage Success and join our LinkedIn group. And all the social media links are um, on our homepage as well. So my guest today is Tony Latter, who's CEO and co-founder of the Happiness Index. Welcome, Tony. Great to have you with me. Yeah, hi there, Joe. Great to be with you. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about you and about the Happiness Index. Yeah, so the Happiness Index, we started life in 2014. And uh, it's myself and two co-founders who I know through university. They, we went to university together. We went our separate ways. They started a, uh, a business. And as that business grew, they were looking for a way to start engaging more and more with their staff. And this is where the original idea for the happiness index came from. So at that period, I was working for a big multinational organization and we'd just been through our latest staff engagement survey. I'd been heavily involved in that process, but there are a few things there that really frustrated me about the process and how we went about it. And so when I had a, an opportunity to um, become involved in the happiness index, <coughs> excuse me. It was a real opportunity to take those frustrations of not being able to get regular information, not being able to use that within the decision-making process that the organization I was previously, and help give companies a better way of being able to take people information and make it relevant for their organization. So that's really mm-hmm. where the idea for the Access Index started from. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how that actually works. Yeah, so... What we do is we work with organizations. We understand what are the key issues for them. So we spend a lot of time up front with them just identifying what is it that they are trying to understand, what is it that they want to get a measure of within their organization. We run poll surveys with them. Typically, a window will stay open for two weeks. And we will ask a very short questionnaire. So typically, we will have anywhere between five and seven, eight questions within the surveys that go out. And they're aimed at key areas, so it could be leadership, it could be they've recently moved office, so they want to understand a little bit more about how staff are feeling about that. It's around understanding the sentiment of the people within the organization at that given point in time. We always like to have what we call an output question. So that's something like how happy are their staff or 
we use the net promoter score type question. So would you recommend that organization as a good place to work? Because that allows us to start drawing some correlations between the analysis so we can understand what are the factors within that particular organization that are making their staff happy. And then mm -hmm. once we've got that information coming back into the organization, uh, we then run it through our real-time analytics platform, which the company has access to. So they're able to understand what's happening within their organization at any given point in time. Lovely. And it's interesting, I was talking to somebody this morning about an organization and they were saying, oh, you know, they, they do a survey, a big survey of the company, but they only do it every sort of three or four years. And, and we were sort of saying, you know, how useful is that? Because obviously it's um, quite outdated in terms of information, you know, very quickly after that. Um, yeah. Obviously yours is, is much more regular. Uh, you talk about, you know, pulse surveys um, in, in, as opposed to, uh, you know, every three or four years. <laughs> so yeah. why do you do that? Why is it important? Yeah, so we think it's really important that you get a regular flow of information coming through. So typically our clients will ask questions on a quarterly basis. And that's purely down to their ability to affect change and for that change to be felt by the individuals mm. working for that organization. So quarterly feels a, a really nice frequency for a lot of our clients. The reason why it's really important is if we think about why people are gathering this information. So we're gathering that information to make it uh, a better working environment for the people that are currently working in the organization, not the people who were working there three, four years ago. We're also looking to try and use that information, not just from a people perspective within the HR team, but one of the things that we work really closely with our clients is getting them to understand and help the wider business understand the power of that information and how it can be used elsewhere. So one of the things that we, we work with them on is imagine that you're in the boardroom situation and you're sitting there and you've got the head of sales talking about sales figures from three years ago or two years ago. It just wouldn't happen. So we don't think that it should be the case that people are sitting there talking about the engagement figures from two years ago or even 18 months ago because they're no longer relevant. The rate of change within organizations now is incredibly quick as you'd have seen and experienced yourself, that it's really important that you've got up-to-date information so that you can start relaying that around the rest of the business. And I think mm. what's, what's important is when I talked about earlier, this multinational organization that I worked for previously, one of the things is we did it every year and we felt that that didn't give us the ability to make decisions on a regular basis because we, yep. we stagnated for a huge period of time <clears throat> because we were too concerned about, we haven't got the latest information. Let's make a decision on this in three months time when we've got our next round of results come through. So what we had right. was we had a period of lag where we didn't make decisions. We didn't drive the business forward purely on the basis of not having up-to-date information. So the more regular mm. that information is coming through, the quicker your decision-making process can be. But also by sharing this information at board level, where I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it uh, in a moment, but you can start using this information in more places rather than it being a HR initiative. And that's where mm. the real power of having this regular flow of information comes from. Mm. And I guess the other thing is when we you have sort of a, a more often happening survey you tend to be asking less questions it, it, it can turn over a lot quicker I mean again the, the, the less frequent surveys tend to take so long to 
gather, analyse and actually think about doing anything with. But um, that's where some of that big gap between surveys comes, isn't it? Because it's just too onerous to do. Absolutely. The admin process, for, for starters, is, yes. uh, is, is really tough. And you go through a lot of configuration, setting up what questions you're going to choose. That all takes time. But what technology allows us is technology allows us the ability to automate a lot of the setup process, a lot of which questions are we going to ask, when are we going to ask them, and we can just program that in. So you take a lot of that admin burden away. The other point as well, which traditional feedback programs, for example, an annual survey, the speed of being able to get those results and then analyze them. You can get access to the data, but it's the insight that you're really looking for. And typically that can take six to eight weeks to come through. Whereas yeah. because you have access to a real-time dashboard when you're using pulse surveys, what that allows you to do is understand what's happening there and then, and you can start making decisions there and then. So that really does make a difference. Also, because we're only mm -hmm. asking a few questions, a big part of why organizations don't typically in the past haven't asked uh, surveys more frequently is they don't want this to be seen as a burden from their staff. And typically mm. when you do an annual survey and you are answering 50 odd questions plus, that can take you half an hour to an hour and you can't regularly do that. Whereas if you're asking no. shorter, sharper surveys, you're then able to get people to respond to those on a more regular basis takes them five minutes to complete, but they start understanding the value of those questions and participating. So our average response rates, even though we ask questions on a more regular basis, our average response rate at the moment is 74% across all of our clients. Clearly there yeah. are some that are higher and there are some that are lower, but that's a really good indication to say that asking questions on a more regular basis does drive that level of engagement within the staff base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's called the happiness index. I'm intrigued. It's not called the engagement index. Why? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very good question. I get asked this a, a lot. Uh, so if uh, you go to my Twitter profile, just on there, it talks about what makes me happy because I get asked that all the time. And the reason why we call it the happiness index and not the engagement index is we, we fundamentally wanted to understand what made somebody happy at work. So we started off life by asking one very simple question. We didn't have the, the pulse surveys that, uh, that we offer now. We, we just went to market with a product that asked staff, how happy are you working at a given company? And the mm. idea behind that was to get a very raw emotion, a very, I'm a seven out of 10, I'm a six out of 10, an understanding of then what allows people to follow up further with conversation. So the idea isn't that it's just a, an online survey that replaces conversations. It's all about how we can use this information to help facilitate those conversations within the workforce. So that's one of the reasons why we started Life Off as the, uh, the happiness index. The other reason is there's a lot of studies out there that talk around the link between engagement and productivity. But one of the things that we felt was missing was the role of happiness within the workplace. So we have an equation that we use, which is engagement plus happiness equals improved productivity. And the reason we think that is because when it comes to engagement, this is more around values and visions of an organization and whether there's a shared value between an employee and the organization that it's working for. Mm. Where we feel that there is a difference is this key ingredient of happiness. This is all around 
how do people feel about being at work? It's about their well-being. So we recently wrote a white paper called What Really Makes People Happy at Work? And this identified the top 10 factors affecting workplace happiness. So the top three that we found were feeling valued as an individual, doing a job that you enjoy, and then third was get striking a good work-life balance. So those mm-hmm. are fundamentally different areas to engagement. And that's mm-hmm. why we felt mm-hmm. that combining the two is a really strong basis of really fulfilling and maximizing an individual's uh, productivity in the workplace. Mm. I think that sounds quite interesting, having had a conversation only yesterday about um, somebody who I think is quite happy at work but tells me they're not engaged and that their company doesn't engage them. And actually, with what you've just said, that is probably quite true, that they do enjoy their job um, you know, and they fit, they, their sense of well-being is improved when they're at work because of enjoying their job and all that sort of thing. But actually, some of the things that their organisation should be doing to engage them, it you know, isn't happening, and um, and could be so much better if they saw both of those things together rather than it being a separate thing. I thought, yeah, hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's really important to to measure both aspects. Because as you say, you can't have an engaged employee who's not happy at work and vice versa, as in your example there, Jay. And I think that's why it's really important that a combination of the two is where you get that improved and that increased productivity. Mm -hmm. Because I guess people could be really happy at work and messing around and not actually achieving anything. And that isn't working (laughs) for the organization then, is it? (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) One of the things that we, we don't have to do it now because I think there is enough established Uh, studies out there there's a a really good study from the University of Warwick which has a link between happier staff and productivity and there's a number of studies out there but one of the Mm. challenges that we did have when we first started the organization it was only four years ago it it feels much longer um, but it was only four years ago and one of the real challenges that we had was around why would you want to measure happiness And we'd often have people come to us and say, we really like what you're you're doing. We really like pulse surveys, but it's this measurement, this angle of happiness. And it's surprising how far we've come in four years that that's no longer an issue. But the way that we countered that all of the time was the balance between engagement and happiness. And often what you find is engagement is for the organization's benefit. So if you yeah. are, if they have a value that you share, it's often for the benefit of the organisation. Whereas the happiness mm-hmm. angle of the, uh, the part, that part of the equation is very much in the benefit of the individual. So by getting mm-hmm. the two combined mm-hmm. together is incredibly powerful. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you talked before about um, data and, and having up-to-date data and how important it, it is. Um, I know you know there's other areas of the business where that data um, can be useful. You know that's something that you talk about a lot. What, where else can that data be used? The staff feedback data in the business. Yeah, I think it's really important that we recognise that this information isn't, and this data isn't necessarily just relevant to HR, but the wider business and all of the successful programmes that we run are where this isn't seen as a HR initiative, it is a business initiative. So, Mm. for example, if we were to look at uh, a boardroom situation, so at an exec level, having this information being fed back in the board, powerful. 
you can use it within shareholder meetings as well. So uh, we recently had our shareholder meetings where I stood up in front of all of our shareholders, uh, gave a presentation, talked about the direction, the future of the business, our performance of the business. And a really key measurement that we put in there was around the measurement of our staff, how engaged they are. And uh, we openly spoke about the areas where we perform well and the areas where we have some work to do and where improvements could be made. So I think it's really mm -hmm. important that at a board level, we look at that area. If you think about the balanced scorecard of an organization as well. So if you're looking at other elements such as the financial elements of that balanced scorecard, overlaying your people insights with financial data can be incredibly powerful you can then start to spot trends between absenteeism presenteeism you've got your staff retention rates as well you can also start breaking that down by identifying either key locations or key departments in which this is happening so it allows you to be a lot smarter with the information that you're using there if you're looking mm. at it from a sales point of view as well, so thinking around client retention, if you've got happy staff, so really happy account managers within your organization, that then breeds into delivering a great service for your clients and then delivering really good client sentiment as well. And also it's what we see that as a really good lead indicator. And what we mean by that is if your account management staff are feeling um, poorly towards the organization either in terms of the systems and processes to do their job empowerment to solve client issues that is often a really good indication of how your staff are or how your clients are feeling so this mm -hmm. is a really good early indicator to identify whether there are some areas around the business that aren't performing particularly well that you can rectify before they then start being felt by your clients so mm -hmm. i think there are some really good areas where overlaying this information with other sets of data can be really powerful and also just yeah. using it within your internal comms so if you're thinking around building a vision and the values how do we know whether these are being embedded and whether they are being um, used widely around an organization having some feedback around that from your staff can be incredibly powerful mm. I guess the, the whole thing about doing this on a more regular basis helps to sort of integrate that within the business. So, you know, if you're doing annual or longer than annual surveys, it doesn't connect at all really to how the business is run. But if you're doing things on a more regular basis, and I, I, years ago I worked for a, a big DIY company and we used um, a quarterly survey. And, you know, literally that was driving everything. Um, uh, and, of course, it could because it was so regular. And I guess that's part of the... The advantage here is that if you've got business systems, you know, sales reporting, that sort of stuff, it's all very regular, isn't it? And and being able to do that from a people point of view really does make sense. Completely. And that freshness of data is, is really, really important because, as you said, Joe, being able to make decisions and using that data as part of the decision-making process is really important. But also, is we've spoken around data and Data is really important, but it's what you do with that information. That's where, where the critical element comes. And this is where mm. we often talk around with our clients that we provide insight rather than data. And it's that insight that can help drive the decision making. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. that you just make decisions based off of the data and you ignore your intuition. 
what we talk around is we talk around having insight that enhances intuition. So you still have a very good feel around what's happening within your organization, but having this level of data really goes into making that strategic decision-making process. And Mm. one of the things that our clients are constantly looking at is they are thinking around what they call commercially viable solutions. So when they're looking Mm. around various pieces of technology, uh, they're thinking around, okay, so what is commercially viable for us and what is commercially impactful, i.e. what Mm. can we take from the various elements of our business and turn that into something that's going to have a wider impact. And that's absolutely where this insight from our people can have a much bigger part. Mm. Uh, can you um, share an example where you've done that within an organisation, so you've, you've provided insight on top of the, the actual data? Yeah, so one of the things that we, we have our analytics platform, and in our analytics platform we relay a lot of the, 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 the data that, uh, that gets displayed. But the key elements really are where we talk around taking that to the next level, answering the so what question. So what, what, hap- what does this mean and what if scenarios that play out based on the information? So we do that through a reporting service that we have. So I'll give you an, an example. Uh, around six weeks ago, I went to go and present to a board of a multinational food and drink company. They flew individuals in from all over the globe to come to their centralized um, meeting that they were having in London. And I went and I presented our information. So we talked around the what questions were being asked, what the results had been. We talked around action planning. We workshopped with them uh, around that to make sure that they were involved in that process. And it was really about taking a lot of that information, that headline information and turning that into insight that then allows them to go and make impactful changes within their organization. Mm. Mm. So this whole thing about staff feedback is implemented at varying levels within organizations. You know, some people invest in it, some people don't, some people do, as we said, every three-year thing, some people do the sort of pulse stuff. How, how can we get senior people to buy into the idea of doing this stuff on a more regular basis and then using that data for insights in the organization? Yeah, here is, is really a case of getting their buy-in, and that, that, that needs to start really on in the process. And what we have seen time and time again is if you start sharing information with them around these are the latest results and this is how it's changed over the last couple of days and really engage them in that process that's really important and one of the things that we we've done is we have developed and we've trademarked a uh, a model called the second pnl and the reason why we we use that is because it's a great way of translating people data and turning it into a language that the board understands and that they're familiar with so we're all familiar with the traditional profit and loss account that a business has that looks at the revenue coming in looks at the outgoings and there's a simple equation there to see whether a profit or loss is being made boards around the uh, the globe understand how that works and they talk in that particular language that revolves around that so what we've done is to help give hr a, a stronger voice within the boardroom is we've created this concept that has translated the data from the programs that we're running with our clients and turned it into a PNL statement. 
So our PNL doesn't stand for profit and loss. The the PNL here stands for people and leaders. So it's about the inputs of the people and the leaders of the organisation, and we display that back into our second PNL account. And we talk about having a target, and we talk about where we they were as an organisation last year. So in a boardroom situation, you've got lots of numbers, lots of information being discussed. One of the key things that we look at is what are the snippets that they're going to take out from that that are going to mean that they understand what is happening around the leadership of the business or how happy their staff are or what an engagement score is through the happiness index. So they can look Mm. at it and go, okay, so we are 90% of our target, not quite where we were, but we're 110% year on year for leadership effectiveness. So again, it gives them a really nice way of being able to take sound bites in a way that they understand and a way they're familiar with and a way that translates across the the boardroom as well so that's a really really interesting way of getting the board involved and senior leaders around the organization involved in that process and also using that data around the organization to make it relevant for everybody so for example Mm. it's no longer a hr initiative but it's something that can be used for example by the head of finance it's something that can be used by the customer services director. It's something that can be used by the marketing director. And that's really yeah. important in order to get that level of buy-in. Mm. And plays into that so that whole sort of looks like the data they're already working with sort of thing. Mm. Absolutely. If you can make it familiar to them, mm. it it's a, goes a long, long way in that information being retained and then being relayed elsewhere around the organisation. Mm-hmm. So we're just coming into the last few minutes of the show, and um, you know we badged the show as talking about the the future of staff feedback, and certainly for lots of organisations, what you're talking about today is the future for them. But what about the yep. future for 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 you and for for organisations that are at the sort of um, cutting edge of this? What what's going to happen as we move forward in terms of getting staff feedback? Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time, and I think. What we see is we see technology being embraced further. So we talk about at the moment we use technology in order to help speed up a process. What I think is going to be really interesting and what's going to be really exciting moving forward is how we use technology from a, an artificial intelligence point of view. And I'll give you some examples around this. So one of the things that we are currently working on is a project with a, uh, a company that has staff who are illiterate. Um, who are based in other companies, other countries around the globe. And we're looking at using voice-to-text technology. So this is around how we can take um, voice recordings from those individuals and how we can convert that into text to then go into our system and that we can then relay back. The other thing that we're working on now around voice technology is being able to provide your feedback through voice. So this is around water cooler moments. So what we mean by this is if you're going to either make a cup of tea or coffee or you're going to the water cooler, there'll be a a device that can uh, read proximity and it will ask you whether you Mm -hmm. want to take the happiness index and you can say yes. And if you do, it will ask you a series of questions. You answer it via voice and then um, it will take you 30 seconds to complete. The other areas that are really interesting are things like facial recognition. So this isn't to go all big brother on individuals and be able to identify individuals, but this is about understanding the sentiment of people as they walk in and out of buildings or throughout floors of, a, of, a, um, of, of an office building. 
And that's really important because that could give us a level of sentiment based on times and how people are feeling at given points in time. And like yeah. I say, we've got to be really careful here that it doesn't go into this is a big brother always watching approach. And it's not about mm. trying to identify individuals and whether you as an individual are happy walking in and out of your office building. But this is about getting some very high level information around how our staff feeling at certain points in time that's a non-invasive, doesn't require their input into it. So I think that's got a really interesting uh, uh, place to play in the future as well and then the very mm. final one is around machine learning so how can we use the scores that we have received from individuals and build predictive analytics into it so understanding scoring patterns of individuals and then looking at how we can predict if certain scenarios are played out what the response would be again a really mm. powerful um, area that we are only scratching the surface of at the moment but I think if we were to do this uh, again in a, let's say a couple of years time we'd be talking about some of these things being more mainstream than they currently appear to be mm. yeah yeah fascinating excellent well let's do that come back in two years and let's talk about it again <laughs> I'd, I'd love to Jeff. Well, we're booking into March next year at the moment, so you'll have to book in soon. <laughs> so, so thank you, Tony. Really appreciate it. It's been fascinating uh, talking about uh, a bit of the future and, and obviously a bit of how it is now in some places. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just so you know, next week we have Ryan McCarty, who is author, speaker and co-founder of Culture of Good, Inc., and he's going to be talking about encouraging your employees to bring their whole souls to work. So I look forward to that one next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.